I'm, uh, I'm excited. We're continuing on in our series of James. We're in James chapter 4 uh, tonight. We'll have one more in James chapter 4, and then we'll start James chapter 5, which is the last chapter. Of, we're almost through James. Um, and I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of done getting kicked in the teeth by James. He's a pretty hard dude. And so I'm excited to maybe move on to a different uh, book of the Bible. Uh, just another sh- uh, shameless plug. This Sunday, Pastor Malcolm is back, and we're excited about that. And he gave us the uh, homework to start reading the book of Mark. He said, we're going to start the book of Mark on, on uh, this Sunday. We're going to go through a series of that. And so y'all be prepared for him to be back. He stopped in today. We talked a little bit. And uh, he seems to be really, really in good spirits. So I'm ready. Uh, before we jump into the Bible, I'm going to do a little poll. All right, out there, fair of you, you can contribute as, as well. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Uh, if, if this is how you feel, how many by, by show of hands thinks is, it is acceptable to show up to a movie after the previews have started? How many of you think, yeah, I'd rather go to a movie after the previews have started? Okay, a few of you. All right. How many of you think, no way, I want to get to the movie before the previews start? All right. That's the correct answer, right? All right. So <laughs> how many by show of hands think that it is perfectly acceptable to put pineapple on pizza? Oh, a lot more people than I thought. All right. How many of you think, no way, do not put pineapple on my pizza? All right. Again, that's the correct answer. Uh, Now, how many of you, when you see a yellow light, traffic light, you think it's perfectly acceptable to accelerate uh, to try to beat the light? Uh, Okay. Okay. Now, how many of you say absolutely not? Yellow means slow down. So I'm going to slow down. Yeah, you're the ones we leave <laughs> just passing you like, yeah, enjoy that red light. You know, we blow, blow your doors off. All right. All right. Here's the definition of acceptable. Acceptable. Acceptable means considered by most people to be reasonable or to be something that can be allowed. Something that can be reasonable or something that can be allowed. Uh, we just talked about some things that people think is acceptable and other people think that are unacceptable. Uh, I think that's okay when it comes to things like pineapple on pizza or whether or not to accelerate through a yellow traffic light. I think that's okay. But as we continue on in the book of James, uh, we're going to see that there are some things that we have unfortunately considered to be acceptable sins. Um, things that we say, you know what, it's not that big of a deal. It's not going to make or break. It's not going. It's not. That's not a problem, right? Again, the the definition for acceptable is something that is considered by most people to be reasonable or to be something that can be allowed. So let me go ahead and warn you that James is about to get all in our business. He's about to park in our garage. If you're ready for that, say Amen. I don't think you're ready for it. Uh, uh, we'll find out here shortly. But James is going to address some things I think a lot of people say is reasonable. I think this can be allowed. It's not that big of a deal. But God calls it a sin. So James chapter 4, starting in verse 11. only reading two verses tonight. James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. He says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you for this night we get to come together. Lord, I thank you for this crowd. Lord, I thank you for just uh, devoted people to show up and show out. And God, we're asking that tonight you would just speak to us and challenge us, convict us, Lord, that you would edify us, build us up, um, Lord, to, to make us better followers of you. And Lord, as always, this, this night is completely in vain unless you show up. So, Father, I'm, just, I'm stepping out the way and I'm saying you take center stage. God, this is all about you. And so, Lord, just use me as your instrument to be poured into so I can be poured out. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. The very first couple words in James chapter 4, verse 11... By the way, I hope you have your handouts. Uh, you're going to notice nothing is alliterated tonight. I just kind of wrote it as, as it just kind of came to me. And so uh, uh, I'm hopefully y'all won't have a problem following along as we go. But tonight is called Never, Ever, Ever. That is the title of tonight's message. In James chapter 4, verse 11, the first two words he says are speak not. Yeah. Speak not. Uh, 
the, the medieval monks, they sat down and they come together and they decided on what they would call the seven deadly sins. They said, these are the, of all the sins, these are the most deadly sins. They come up with a list of seven. And that list is pride, covetousness, lust, envy, gluttony, anger, and laziness. That's the seven deadly sins. But if you notice, they didn't include what I think is probably one of the most deadly sins, which is slander. It's uh, gossip, rumor, uh, lying. It all involves that category. Because here's the deal. Uh, uh, slander, lying, rumors, all that kind of stuff, that can be committed by anyone at any time. You, you, you don't need any other opportunity just to use, all you got to do is use your tongue, which if you remember, we talked about the danger of the tongue not too long ago. In the book of James, every single chapter, James hits on the issue about the tongue. He talks about speech, how to use your speech, the conduct in which you uh, talk about to others. He says you can either tear people down or you can build people up. And I think, honestly, if, if even in today's contemporary list, if you was to make a list of the seven deadliest sins, I'm, I'm afraid that even slander, gossip, rumor, lying, whatever it is, would still be left off the list because we have now considered it to be one of the acceptable sins. Because it has become such a part of our life. It's in our culture, it's in our politics, it's in our daily actions. We, we have people lying to us, and, and oftentimes we lie too on a regular basis that we've just gotten comfortable with it, and it's become one of those acceptable sins. It's not that big of a deal. It's just something we do. But James says in verse 11 of chapter 4, he says, Speak not. In the Greek, one of the ways that they would show emphasis is they would start with a word at the beginning of that sentence in which they thought was the most important word of that sentence. And so in the Greek, this, the word that starts this sentence off is the word not. And, and really, it, it, they're putting emphasis on the word not here. They're starting off in the, in the very beginning of the sentence saying not. And, and this, is, this is basically saying this is something you never, ever, ever do. That's what James is trying to put emphasis on. He says, what I'm about to say is something you should never, ever, ever do. He starts off the sentence with the word not. And so what we're about to read, it can't really be put any more simply than the way James is about to say it to us. And so let's keep on reading. Verse 11, he says, speak not evil one, of an, uh, one another, brethren. We'll read on, but let that sink in for a second. If we're reading it the way James would have intended it to be read, he would have said, Never, ever, ever is it acceptable behavior for a follower of Jesus to ever speak evil of another follower of Jesus. That's, that's what he's saying. He says, Never, ever, ever. If we live that out, do you know how different our Christian fellowship would be? Do you know how different our churches would be if we were the kind of people who never, ever, ever spoke ill of another person in our church, in our congregation? This past Sunday, I preached about family dynamics, what it's like to be a part of the family of God. And I, I, I emphasize some things that we should be people who pray for each other, that we honor each other, that we serve one another, that, that, that we, we give to one another, that, that, that we, we build each other up, that we meet each other's needs, that we go through life with each other. This is some of the family dynamics in which we are called to do. And one of the ways you can kill family dynamics within a church is by speaking evil of, of each other, spreading gossip about each other, about slandering or lying about each other. That's one way to absolutely kill the family dynamic within a church. Pastor Malcolm, every time he hires a staff member, he gives us a speech. I got the speech a little almost eight years ago, and I've heard the speech a couple more times since then as we brought different staff members on. And the speech goes about along the lines of this. He says, there's two things I need from every staff member. He says, number one is initiative. And he goes and explains that. He says, you are the staff. The shepherd leans on the staff, so I need you to work. Uh, he says, I'm not going to be there to kick you in the tail. I'm not going to be in there to tell you what to do. You should take initiative and do that thing. That's the first thing he expects from every, every staff member. The second thing, he says, I need you to defend each other. He says, so if somebody comes to you and say, hey, listen, I got a problem with Jason, man. He, he did this, this, and this, and this. Our first responsibility is to defend Jason. Yeah. 
That we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't come to their side and say, well, you know, yeah, Jason is a little bit like that. You know, I'm saying like he's, he's a little hot-headed. You know, no, no, we're supposed to defend Jason. Uh, or if somebody comes to me by any staff member, our first reaction should be to defend them. And, and, and this is what James is saying here. He says, never, ever, ever let anything come across your lips about a brother or sister in Christ that is harmful to them or harmful about them. He says, basically, watch your mouth. I told you James is going to get up in your face today. James is not shying away from hard things. And some of y'all, we start talking about this, and you start nervously grabbing your phone and start checking your messages, and you're like, you get a little uncomfortable in your seat. Think about this. How different would our social media post be if we could never speak evil of another person? Boy, some of our social media would dry up. Some people wouldn't know what to post about anymore. If they were supposed to not talk ill of, of other people, not talk, not talk bad about other people, all of a sudden their social media would be like, I, I'll take a picture of my food today, I guess. I don't, I don't know what to talk about. So James chapter 11, speak not evil one of, or James chapter 4 verse 11, speak not evil of one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. So this is one of these texts. I could read it, and I can just go sit down. James kind of preached the message already, right? Like, that's, that's enough to just go ahead and, and, and sit on and, and, and digest and think about, but obviously I'm not going to go sit down. And so what I want to do tonight, I'm going I'm to say there's two questions we need to answer, and then there's going to be a truth. So we're going to talk about two questions and a truth. So if you have your handout, if you have your notes, the first question we're going to address is what does it mean to speak evil against one another. What does it mean to speak evil against one another? Because if James is saying, don't you ever, ever, ever do this, it's probably important we find out what we're supposed to never, ever, ever do, right? And so we're going to ask the question, what is it that we're supposed to, what does it mean to not speak evil against one another? So in the, in the English language, we have the phrase speak evil. But in the Greek, it's actually one word, kata alejo. That is, that's the Greek word for it. It's two words put together. Kata means to attack or to come against. Leho means to speak. In other words, what James is saying, he says, when you speak evil, it means you're coming against them, attacking them with your words. It means that you're ruining their reputation, coming against their reputation uh, uh, to either slander or lie about a person. It's an attack against them using your words. That's what he's saying, to speak evil against them. There's some uh, great commentators and some theologians who have really broke down this idea of what it means to speak evil. One of them is a guy named Thomas Manton. And this is what he says it means to speak evil against a brother. He says, any speech that is, that is harmful to someone else, whether it is true or false. Now, this is important. Because it's not just saying that lying about someone is bad. He's saying, no, what you're saying could be true about them, but is harmful towards them. You can speak evil towards someone and it be the truth. And so we have the responsibility to guard our brothers and sisters from our words, even if what we would say is true about them, is it harmful for them? And so we really have to evaluate and guard ourselves from saying things that we should not be saying. A.T. Robertson, this is what he said about speaking evil. He says, speaking evil about someone is harsh words about the absent. It's saying something hurtful or harmful about someone that isn't present, that isn't there. And it could hurt them and damage them. And so this could be done privately, just in a conversation with a few people. Or this could be done publicly, where you broadcast it to a lot of people. But he's saying that if you say something about someone that is hurtful or harmful to them, that is speaking evil of them. And so if this was true, when James said this, if it was true in his age, before the invention of social media, how true is it now for us who have social media? Because let's be honest, people will go on social media and they'll post all kinds of things, and, 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 and they'll you know, say, well, this, this, and this. And if you call them out about it, they'll say, freedom of speech. I got freedom of speech. 
And listen, I'm about to say something pretty controversial that's going to rub some of you patriots the wrong way, especially right after July the 4th, because you feel really American right now. You blew stuff up. You had barbecue. You, you went to the pool party. You feel really American at this moment. But I'm about to say something that might go against the grain. Um, listen, you and me as Christians, we do not have freedom of speech. We don't. Because we have a God that we have submitted ourselves to. Right? And so this, this God that we have submitted ourselves to has given us a command to never, ever, ever speak ill of another brother or sister in Christ. And so when you come to Jesus... And you, you give your life to Him. You surrender to Him and make Him Lord of your life. And you have died to yourself. And now Christ lives within you. And that means you have died to your freedom of speech. Right. Yeah. Pastor Andrew, you're not American. <laughs> and that's not what I'm saying at all. I, I believe in the principle of freedom of speech. I do. But I'm a Christian before I'm an American. My Christianity trumps my American patriotism. And as a Christian, I have to submit to the command that I need to control what I say. I do not have freedom of speech. And so we really have to guard the gate of our mouth to make sure we don't say anything. And, and here's the thing. The idea of speaking evil, it can, it can manifest itself in all kinds of ways. It can really produce itself in our life in all kinds of ways. Uh, it, it could be unnecessary criticism of another person, questioning authority, falsely damaging someone's reputation in secret, bringing incorrect accusations, divulging private failures and weaknesses, publicly exaggerating someone's faults, Questioning or passing judgment on somebody's motives or intentions. There's, there's a multitude of ways this can be fleshed out. Right? And the phrase in James, by itself, to not speak evil of other people, if we live that out, it would radically change how we do life. Yeah. Just that one little phrase. But there's another phrase in verse, uh, verse 11 of chapter 4. He says, speak not evil one of another. One of another. Again, this is a single word in the Greek language. And basically what this means is another of the same kind. Another of the same, basically another believer. Another Christian. And this word that is used here in James is used over 40 times in the New Testament. It's used by Jesus. It's used by, by Mark. It's used by Paul. It's used by Peter. And it's used here by, by James right now. And so the idea is, is that there is an expectation about how we conduct ourselves with other people who are just like us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, united by a common problem, united with a common future, united with a common Savior, there should be an expectation on how we treat and talk about each other. And James says, this should never, ever, ever be a part of you that you slander, gossip, or speak evil of another believer in Christ. And if this wasn't real clear, James makes it abundantly clear as we keep on reading in verse 11. He says, speak not evil one of another, same of the same kind, right? Comma, brethren. Obviously, who's he talking to? Christians, believers, right? He says, brethren. Again, piggybacking off of the message from Sunday, it's the idea that we belong to God's family. That we have been adopted in as sons and daughters to a heavenly father. And because we've been adopted into this marvelous family, even though we come from different backgrounds, we come from different ethnicities, we come from different socioeconomic status, we come from different cultures, we are all of the same family. And so what's the point? Here's what the point is. If we was to boil it all down, here's what James is saying. He's saying there is never an acceptable time for you to speak about a brother or sister in Christ publicly or privately in a way that is harmful to them. Let me read that again. There is never an acceptable time for you to speak about a brother or sister in Christ, publicly or privately, in a way that is harmful to them. Listen, we can disagree on whether pineapple belongs on a pizza. All right, we can disagree if you're an Alabama or an Auburn fan. 
Right? We can disagree on some of that kind of stuff because it's trivial, right? But there is no fine print in the Bible next to this verse. There is no asterisk next to it and says, well, there are some exclusions in certain situations where you might be able to speak evil about somebody. No, he's making it very, very clear that there is never an acceptable time in public or private to speak ill of another brother or sister in Christ. All right, he's making it abundantly clear. Paul tells us the same exact thing. He's echoing the same thought of James here in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. This is what Paul says. He says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. The word corrupt comes from the Greek word which means rotten. What happens if you put rotten things in your stomach? Yeah. Yes, sir. That's right. Ever, ever, ever drank some milk and had to chew it? (laughs) Yeah. That brought back memories. All right. So the idea is you put something rotten in you, it's going to make you sick. Paul says when you talk this rotten language, this rotten speech, it's a symptom of something that's in you that's sick. You see what I'm saying? And, and, and he, says, don't, he says, don't let any rotten speech come out of your mouth, but only that which is used for edifying or building up, that it should minister grace unto the hearers. In other words, your words, listen to this, your words should be something that ministers grace to other people. Where does this grace come from? It comes from God. And so in other words, we are conduits of God's grace unto others. And the one way that God gets to show grace unto other people is by the way you speak to them. And so as you speak life and you speak encouragement and you speak praise and you speak all these things that will build them up, God is using you as a conduit to funnel his grace into their life. But what happens when you start speaking ill of somebody? What happens if you start shaming somebody or gossiping about them or slandering them or spreading rumors about them? Well, you just you have shut up the conduit of his grace into their life. You have stopped the flow of grace into other people's lives because of the words you have used. We are supposed to be conduits of His grace, but in the moment we start bad-mouthing people, lying about people, gossiping about people, that flow stops. We have an amazing privilege and opportunity to speak life into people. and So we have to choose our words carefully. Here's the second question. first question is, what is speaking evil against one another? Second question is, why is speaking evil against one another so wrong? If all the things that James could have picked on, if all the things James could have spoken on, he chooses this. So what's the big deal? Let me give you three reasons why this is such a big deal. Number one is pretty obvious. The Bible says don't do it. <laughs> I mean, we could, we could stop right there. We, really need, we don't really need any other explanation. The Bible says don't do it. But... Here's the thing about the commands of God. God never gives us a command to hurt us. He only gives us commands to help us. When God says, do this, he's saying, do this to help yourself. When God says, don't do this, he says, don't do this because it'll hurt yourself. God's commands are there to help us. And so when he says, don't do this, Don't speak ill of your brother. Don't speak evil of them. He's saying don't do this because it's harmful, not just for you, but it's harmful against your brother or sister in Christ as well. And so we have this command that we are to be uh, uh, conduits of his grace. And he says don't do this because it's harmful to you and to others. And the second reason why this is wrong is that harsh words come from a judgmental heart. Harsh words come from a judgmental heart. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, He says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. What comes out of the mouth gets its start in the heart. That's where it begins. And the first step to avoid slander, the first step to avoid gossip, is not shutting your lips. The first step to avoiding that is checking your heart. Because your mouth only says what is in your heart. And so our words will come from a judgmental heart. So what James is saying is when we speak evil against a brother or sister in Christ, it reveals that we have already judged them in our heart. 
Look again in James chapter 4, verse 11. He says, Speak not evil one of one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law. The word judge means to pass an unfavorable judgment onto them. It means that, that you are to criticize them. The reason why we're saying those things with our mouth, the reason why we said what we did with our mouth is because we've already come to a judgment about them in our heart. We've already convinced ourselves and justified what we're about to say because we already believe that about them in our heart. And, and <laughs> the reason why we judge them is for some reason we have found them to fall short to whatever expectation we had for them. And because they didn't meet that expectation, we feel justified in, in, in saying the things that we say about them because we have pronounced judgment onto them. And the reason harsh words are so wrong is because it reveals the wickedness of your own heart. Your mouth is only saying what is in your heart. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, he says, judge not that you be not judged. So is Jesus saying here that we aren't supposed to use any kind of judgment in our life? I mean, we're not supposed to use judgment in our relationships, judgments in our decisions, judgments. We're not supposed to have discernment about people. No, he's not saying that at all. What he is saying is that we should never have a critical, demeaning heart towards another person. Here's the bottom line. It's impossible to love someone and have a critical heart towards that person. You cannot love your brother or sister in Christ and speak evil of, of them at the same time. That can't, how, how can you love somebody and speak bad about them at the same time? It, the, the two don't mix, right? And, and Sunday, I preached about this in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Paul says this. He says, let your love be without dissimulation. That word dissimulation means hypocrisy. Don't let your love be with hypocrisy. Let, let, let your love be pure, Remember, I used that Latin word, without wax. It appears to be what it is. All right, there's no hidden agenda. I'm not stabbing you in the back. I'm not talking ill of you. I'm not spreading gossip about you. I'm not telling lies about you. I'm telling you to your face, I love you, and there's no agenda. It is what it is. But people will tell you to your face they love you and stab you in the back. They'll tell you to your face they love you and then go and spread all kinds of rumors and gossip and lies about you. Or dig up some kind of skeletons in your closet and say, hey, did you hear about this? There ain't no business for you to go and tell people about what somebody else did. And so Paul says, let your love be without hypocrisy. Let it be pure. Speak only pure things about other people. One of the challenges I gave you from Sunday on that particular point, I said, I challenge you to get along with God and to pray and ask a simple question. And that question was, Lord, when it comes to loving your family, am I pretending to be something I'm not? Remember that? I said, I want you to get alone. Ask God. Just pray out to him. Say, God, when it comes to loving your family, am I pretending to be something I'm not? And can I tell you, if you're someone who's given to gossip and rumors and lying and slander and accusations, and I can already tell you what the answer to that one is. Yeah, you're pretending. So here's the double whammy. Not only are you and I sinning when we speak evil against someone, we're also sinning because we're not loving them, which we're called to do. That's like sin squared. It's double sin. You're sinning by speaking evil of them, but you're also sinning because you're not loving them. I mean, this is, this is a big deal, right? James is making this a big deal. I know what some of y'all are thinking. Well, what if, what if we see a brother or sister in Christ and they're living in disobedience and rebellion? They're going down the wrong path. They're, they're making unwise decisions in their life. Don't I have a responsibility to speak into their lives? Yes. 100% you do. Yes. We have a biblical responsibility to speak into the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ when we see something in their life that is out of step with Jesus. We absolutely have responsibility to say something to them. But we never have the biblical responsibility when we see a brother or sister out of step with Jesus to go and talk about them. You see the difference? We have the responsibility to speak into their lives We do not have the responsibility to speak about their lives. Totally different. And also, don't try to speak about somebody and cloak it as a prayer request. 
I know. Listen, I've been in this religious game for a long time. I know how we do. Hey, y'all pray for oh so and so. I I heard about something he did, and we really got to lift him up in prayer. Let me tell you what he did. And we cloak it as a prayer request as if we're being spiritual, but really you just want to talk bad about somebody. And so we do have a biblical responsibility to speak into the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we don't have a responsibility to talk about them. And here's the thing. I can't answer. At the end of my life, I'm not going to answer for you. I'm not going to answer for you. I answer for myself. You answer for what you did, I'll answer for what I did, and and I can't answer for you. But we're all equally commanded to follow the same commands of God. And so to speak evil of someone is to disobey the command of God. So, here's the thing. If I indulge in speaking gossip and slander and rumors and making up exaggerations and all that kind of stuff, then and, and, and I'm, I'm using this and I'm, I'm, I'm talking bad about someone who I think is also living in disobedience. You know what happens? The moment I start talking about someone else who's living in disobedience, I myself am living in disobedience. Yep. You see the catch here? Amen. How can you talk bad about someone when you talking bad about them makes you just as sinful as they are? It pulls you down in the same hole. And so James says, don't speak evil ever, ever, ever about someone. And so what do we do? Okay, if I'm I'm telling you, okay, yes, we have an expectation. There is a biblical requirement that if we see someone out of step with Jesus, we should speak into their lives. How do we do that? I'm glad you asked because Jesus gives us simple instructions in Matthew chapter 18. He tells us how we should do this. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17 He says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee thee and him alone. Why do you go to that person alone? Well, because you just may have a flawed perspective. You may be missing some information. You may have heard or saw something incorrectly. And before you go and tell everybody and post it on Coleman Daily, it's probably good that you sit down alone with this brother or sister in Christ and find out all the information. Make sure you got the context and all the facts straight. And so you, because you could be making a false assumption. And so he says, go to them alone first. I, listen, it's a wonder I'm still in ministry, I tell you. I, there's a church I worked at uh, years and years ago. And I had this family, this particular dude, make some false uh, accusations about me. He was uh, going around telling people that I was promoting the devil, and uh, I, was, I was celebrating him, and, and I was trying to corrupt our teenagers and everything else in this church. And it was craziness, craziness. And uh, I got wind of this, that he's going around telling people this, that I'm talking about the devil and all this kind of stuff, and... And so I, I told him, I said, hey, brother, we, me and you just got to sit down and talk, and I'm going to get the pastor involved. And uh, probably shouldn't have done it this way, because I w- told him we was meeting with the pastor before I told the pastor we was meeting with him. Uh, but anyways, so then I went and told the pastor. He was my father-in-law, so it worked out. Uh, but I went and told my, my father-in-law, a.k.a. my pastor, and I said, hey, we got to sit down with this guy. He's, he's missing something. I don't know. And, and so we sit down, and... Uh, we sit down together and we start talking. And, and, and I said to him, I said, what do you mean that I'm promoting the devil in our youth meeting? And he's looked at me. He says, well, you turned the lights down during the worship time. And then one night I was sitting outside the door, which means he was looking for something. Because you, you, church was on a different building. He was hiding in the fellowship hall, sitting outside the door of the youth room, listening into my messages because he's trying to catch something. He had an agenda. That's what it was. He had an agenda. And uh, he says, I was listening to your message, and you said the name devil, and you said Satan multiple times. I'm like, okay. He says, and every time you say the name devil, or every time you say Satan, it gives him power. And I'm like, oh, we're, we're dealing with a Oh, I can't slander him. I'm, I can't preach and like be, I'd be hypocritical telling him. All right, so I, I said, well, that's not smart. And uh, I looked at him. I said, well, can you give me on some, some scripture? Can you give me some scripture where it says that every time 
you mention the devil's name or you mention Satan or whatever, that it gives him more power? I said, is he like Beetlejuice? You say his name three times and he appears out of thin air? Like, how does this work? And of course, he couldn't give me any verse, couldn't give me any scripture. And, and then uh, he says, I asked him about the lights. I said, what do you mean that you don't like that I turn the lights down during the worship time? He says, well, every honky-tonk and every bar and every nightclub, they have the lights turned down. And, and so uh, it's, it's like you're having worship in a nightclub. And, and he, then he says, and the devil de- dwells in the darkness. I said, so brother, you're telling me when I turn off the lights, God gets scared, he's scared and he just leaves? Like he's, he's terrified of the dark. Is that what you're saying? And, and, and he says, well, the enemy dwells in darkness. And I said, well, brother, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 12 tells us that the Lord said he would dwell in the thick darkness. Okay. And I said, also, there's, there's another verse in Psalm 1811 where it says that the Lord makes the darkness his hiding place. I said, brother, he is just as much in the light as he is in the darkness. I don't know what you're saying. And, and it come down to the point that he was trying to work an agenda, trying to manipulate some things. He's trying to work angles. He's bringing up all these false accusations against me, which were crazy. And he didn't have a leg to stand on. But we got to the bottom of it because I went to him first. I sat down with him first. And once everything was brought to the light, I was free and clear. See, Jesus gives us some expectations that we need to go to them first. It's important that we get all the facts. Because here's the thing. You may not have heard what you thought you heard. And you may not have seen what you thought you saw. And you may not understand what you think happened. And so you need to assume the best and you need to communicate to clarify. Assume the best and communicate to clarify. Go to that person alone. Now, okay, you go to that person alone, you sit down, things ain't working out, let's go to the next step in, verse, uh, in, in that next verse. Verse 15, in verse 15, he says, If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. You know what that is? That's reconciliation. You have won him back. Hallelujah. That's the goal. That's what we're looking for. Winning back that brother or sister to Christ. Reconcile. But, verse 16, But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more. That in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now, this doesn't mean you go and find two or three people who agree with you, who will always agree and be on your side. You need to find two or three people who can give you a different perspective, who can look at this thing objectively, and you sit down with them. Why? Because you need to see it another way. You need people to help you navigate a complicated situation, to help speak some truth into it that they don't have an agenda themselves. And so bring two or three people who can look at the situation objectively, and so first you go to them privately. If there's reconciliation, great. If you can't reconcile, you get two or three people to go with you, help look at this thing together, and you try to reconcile. But, verse 17, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. If he neglects to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. So now, after you do that, you get your ministry leader involved, you sit down together, you try to find some reconciliation, you try to resolve the conflict. But, but the whole purpose of this is reconciliation. If he still refuses to listen, if he still refuses to, 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 to maybe dissolve the situation, Jesus says, treat him like a heathen and a publican. So does this mean you kick him out on the street and you shun him and you call him names and hiss at him? No. Think about this. How did Jesus demonstrate we should treat publicans and heathens? He prayed for them. He came close to them. He ministered to them. He sat down and ate with them. This verse is getting out of context because we think, well, we just kick them out of the church and we have nothing to do with them no more. No, we, we try to love them to Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. That's, the, that's what he, he, he exemplified for us. Because the whole idea is if they're that rebellious, if they're not willing to meet reconciliation, if they're not willing to dissolve conflict, the odds are they don't really know Jesus anyways. And so we're praying for their hearts to be broken so they can be drawn to Jesus. And so that is the whole thing about coming to them and not going and talking about their situation to other people. We go to them personally. We try to resolve it and reconcile. Harmful, harmful words come from a heart that has already judged them. And this is wrong because what Jesus desires from us is that our heart will be right with them, not that our heart will be the ones that judge them. Number three, why is this, or letter C, why is this such an important issue? 
Because harsh words destroy our witness. It destroys our witness. James chapter 4, verse 11 again. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. All right, let me, let me explain what the law is. I'm going to try to make it simple. Sometimes I make things too complicated. I'm going to try to make it simple. The law is love shown in a systematic way. Let me try to break that down. The law says, thou shalt not steal. If I love you, Brother Willie, if I love you, I'm not going to steal from you. All right? So, so the law says, do not steal. I'm not going to steal from you if I love you. The law says, thou shalt not murder. If I love you, I'm not going to be murdering you. All right? Uh, it's just simple. It's, it's, the law is love explained practically, right? And so the law also says, thou shalt not bear false witness. What does that mean? It means to lie, to slander. If I love you, I will not be speaking evil of you. Does that make sense? It's love explained practically. The law of God is the practical expression of what it means to love somebody. This is why when Jesus was approached by a lawyer, this lawyer was trying to corner Jesus and ask him a hard question. He says, Jesus, which one is the greatest of all commandments? This is in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus answered him in Matthew 22, 35 through 40. He says, then one of them, which is a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He said this, he says, If you love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself, you will never have a problem breaking God's commands. He says, everything hangs on those two. If you love others and you love God, you will never have a problem breaking God's commands because the law of God is just love expressed practically. If we love each other, we shouldn't lie about each other. We shouldn't speak evil of each other. I wouldn't steal from you. I wouldn't murder you. I wouldn't, you know, I'm for you. I want to build you up. I want to celebrate you. And this is why James is saying when we speak evil of against another person, that we are not loving that person. And we are casting judgment on that person. And we are denying the authority of God in this situation. When we cast judgment on a person, remember that when we speak, we've already committed that judgment in our heart. We already, we're already justifying what we're saying because of what we already decided in our heart. We're casting judgment on them. When we do that, you know what we're saying? My judgment is better than God's judgment. My law is bigger than God's law. He says, you have usurped the authority of God. So not only have you sinned because you're speaking evil of them, not only have you sinned because you're not loving them, but now you're sinning because you have usurped the authority of God. We have hit the trifecta just by speaking evil against one person. You see, this is a big deal, a huge deal. And not only were you die, here, here, Jesus said this, John 13, 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one to another. When we are usurping the authority of God, we also damage the image of Christ to a watching world because we are supposed to be his disciples and people are watching how we love each other because that is the mark of a disciple of Christ. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you have love one to another and they're watching how we love to figure out what our Christ looks like. And if we don't have love for each other, then we're doing a a, a, a disservice to the image of Christ. We are tainting his image to a watching world. And so when we are bashing someone in private conversations or when we're bashing someone on social media, like I don't make bad social media posts, but I see you all up in that comment section of some of them posts. I mean, I see you taking swings, too. All right. So it's not only revealing something about your heart. It's showing that you have a condemning spirit as well. 
let me, let, me, let me illustrate this whole idea of talking bad about someone in a tangible way. You know, I was a youth pastor for a long time. I like illustrations and visuals. That's just how I function, right? And, and so before I ever did this, I got permission. I talked to him personally. I said, do you mind if I do this? He says, not at all. And so I have a picture here. I hopefully, fairview, you can see this. This is my man, Jalen Milligan. Can you all see that? Can you all see them? All right. This is Jalen Milligan. I don't know if you used to see this on movies or not, but you know how when somebody gets angry at somebody, they'll, they'll put their image on a dartboard and they'll just start throwing knives and darts and everything else at that person. And so here, here's the idea. Pretend that your words are like darts. And every time you say something ignorant about somebody, you slander somebody, you throw a dart at them. Hey, you know, Jalen used to work at Walmart. You know why? I, I, heard, I heard he got fired. He was stealing meat from the butcher. All right, throw a dart. All right, then you say, well, I heard that his hair isn't even real. It's a toupee. Throw a dart. You know, I heard the only reason we hired him at Temple is so that we get his wife, Trina. You know, she's the real talent anyways. You throw a dart. <laughs> Jalen said that's true. You know, I... I heard he don't even really sing. I heard he just lip syncs everything. Uh, you know, I heard one time he cussed out a waitress at Cracker Barrel because she forgot to bring him the apple butter. All right. I don't know why they're not sticking. This worked a whole lot better in practice. I don't know if you knew this or not, but one time Jalen tried out for NSYNC and he couldn't make it because he couldn't dance. So he decided to become a worship pastor instead. And we throw a dart. And it's time and time again, we just throw accusations. Hey, you know, as a side hustle, Jalen kills bugs. He's a pest man. Uh You know, it's it's just a slippery slope from killing bugs to killing people. And we just keep throwing darts at this person. Now, Now, I say this all facetiously. This is all humor. This is not real. He does not... You know, he's not all that. Trina is a really good singer, though. But this is not who Jalen is, right? We know him better than that. But what happens when we start throwing darts at people? What we don't realize is who we're really throwing darts at. Oh, man. Think about it. It's Jesus. You and I have been created in the image of God. In the image and likeness of God. And every time we throw out a false accusation, every time we throw out a slander or a gossip, every time we criticize someone, every time we exaggerate something, you know what we're really attacking? The character and the image of God. Think about it. Yep. Forgive us, Lord. And we don't really think about that, do we? No. Now, now let, me, let me also tell you, I mean, we talked about how, he, how we're all part of this family, right? And, and so we're adopted into this family. Galatians chapter 4 tells us that we have been adopted, brought in as sons and daughters into God's family. So we have a heavenly father. Now let me ask you this. If someone goes and attacks your child, what are you going to do? You're going to go mama bear or papa bear all over them. And I don't fight fair. I will scratch. I will claw. I will bite. I will punch you below the belt. I don't care. You attack my child. I'm coming after you. Why would we think any different of how God will respond when we attack his children? So not only are we attacking someone in the image of God, but we're also attacking one of his children. It's so important that we watch how we talk about people. So here's the truth. I told you we're going to ask two questions and I'm going to give you the truth. Here's the truth. God will have the final say. He will have the final say. Look at verse 12. He says, there is how many lawgivers? There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? See what James is saying. He's saying there isn't a whole bunch of judges. There isn't a whole bunch. There is only one judge. And he is God, and he will have the final say. He will give the final judgment. He will have the final verdict. Let me talk to you real quick and give you some challenges before we leave out tonight. Let me talk to everybody in this room and out there at Fairview and watching online. You're a believer in Christ. Hallelujah. But you're also one of those who have been an accuser against other people. 
If you're in that category, listen to me real quick. If you're committing the sin of speaking evil against another person, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to know. First of all, God will have the final say in all situations. But if you're living in a way that you're doing this continuously, it's, part of, it's, 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 it's habitual right now. You're someone who gossips and you like to gossip. It's become a practice of your life. It is not only damaging the image of Christ, but it's also damaging your ability to enjoy fellowship with the family of God. Yep. It's hindering you. Roy Hessian, he wrote a book called The Calvary Road. And this is what he said. He says, everything that comes as a barrier between us and another, be it ever so small, comes as a barrier between us and God. Our relationship with our fellows and our relationship with God are so linked that we cannot disturb one without disturbing the other. So if I'm speaking evil, my brother or sister in Christ, not only is it going to damage my fellowship with them, but because my my relationship with them is also linked to my relationship with God, my fellowship with them will be compromised, but also my fellowship with God will be compromised. If I'm not being honest with you, if I'm speaking evil with you, I'm compromising my fellowship with other believers. Therefore, I'm also compromising my relationship with God, my fellowship with him. So what do we do? How do we fix this? Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. He says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there you remember that thou, have, uh, that thou brother hath aught against thee. You have some conflict between you and your brother. He says, Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer Thy gift. He says, if you're coming to church and you have some conflict with another believer, he says, the first thing you need to do before you come to church is you go make that right. That's what he's saying. He says, go make that right first. Man, what a challenge. I've seen churches split over the dumbest things because people just couldn't get along. They couldn't talk. They couldn't just come to resolve. And so whole churches have collapsed because people just would not. They refused to get along. They refused to ask for forgiveness. They refused to give forgiveness. Jesus says, if you have aught with your brother, he says, first, go make that right. So if you're here today, my brothers and sisters in Christ who out there at Fairview watching online, if you're somebody who has committed the sin of going and talking ill about somebody else, you have slandered them, you have gossiped them, you have spread lies about them, spread rumors about them, here's what Jesus is commanding you to do. Go make it right. Make it right. Ask for forgiveness. Admit you are wrong. Go eat some crow. Number two. If you are a Christian believer in Christ and you're here in this room out there at Fairview watching online and you're part of the ones who have been accused, someone has come against you, someone has slandered you, someone has uh, spoken ill of you, what do you do? Well, Matthew 18 says go to them privately. Remember, go to them one-on-one. I've done that. Okay, move on to step two. Take two or three people with you. I've done that. Okay, well, you get church leadership involved. I've done that. They just, they don't listen to me. What do I do? Well, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. This is what he says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. In other words, he says, let God handle it. Yep. Yep. Just trust God. Amen. It's out of your hands. You take it to Him. You lay it before Him. And you trust that he is the ultimate judge and authority on this situation, and you just leave it in his hands, and you trust him and walk away from it. You might think, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's really hard. It's difficult. Let me give you another quote by Rory Hessian, the guy that wrote Calvary Road. He says, again and again, we see the thing in us that reacts so sharply to another selfishness and pride is simply our own selfishness and pride, which we are unwilling to sacrifice. We shall have to accept another's ways and doings as God's will for us and meekly bend the neck to all God's providences. That does not mean we must accept another's selfishness as God's will for them, far from it, but only as God's will for us. 
Let me, let me break this down. This, this person keeps speaking evil against you. They keep coming against you. They keep giving you a hard time. They won't leave you alone. They keep pestering you. They keep mocking you. They keep whatever. They keep things stirred up all the time. Here's what you need to know and trust. That God is, first of all, the ultimate judge and authority over all things. And He will have the final say. And you can, in the end, you can trust Him that He's going to do all things well. But here's the other thing. There might be something in your life. The reason why God is allowing this to take place and allowing this to transpire the way it's transpiring is because he sees something in you that he's trying to work out of you because he's trying to conform you into the image of Christ. Remember, that's the ultimate goal, that we be made into the likeness and image of Christ. And so this person may be used as a tool by God to work something out in you that would not be able to happen unless this person was in your life. In other words, their purpose is to bring you to your purpose. And you just got to trust God with it. That's hard to do. But God may be allowing them in your life for a reason because he's got a plan for your life and he's using them to enact that plan that he has for you. And so if you've done everything you need to do, here's what you do. Trust God. Now, there might be someone in here and those watching online out there fear of you. You're an unbeliever. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. James chapter 4, verse 12. He says, there is one lawgiver... Who is able to save and to destroy? Who art thou that judgest another? So James is referring to the idea that God not only stands as our judge, but he also stands as our Savior. And James is saying that one day we are going to have to stand before him as judge. And he is bound by his law. Is he love? Yes, he's love. Is he grace? Absolutely, he's grace. Is he mercy? Absolutely. But also he is just. And he will not bend to sin. He will not wink at sin. He is bound by his law. And so when he pronounces a judgment, it will be a judgment that is is in correlation with his law. And James says, if you have offended his law, that he will now enact a judgment to destroy you. This word destroy means to eternally separate you from his presence. You will be removed and and separated from Him. If you stand before Him in your own merit, in your own performance, in your own righteousness, I'm telling you right now, you will stand before Him as a judge and you will try to argue your case, but you will not have a lawyer with you. You will not have a defense to argue with you and you will not have a leg to stand on because He's going to compare your life to His law and He's going to see where you offended His law and broke His law and as a just judge that He is, he He will come down with a judgment as guilty and then that that judgment will then come to a place where you are destroyed separated from him because he can only respond to you and what his law states there is no exemptions there is no loophole he if you broke the law you're guilty simple as that but he's not only our judge he's also our savior And God came in the person of Jesus, put on human flesh, became in likeness of a man. He walked among us and he lived a perfect, sinless life. And in living that perfect, sinless life, he was able to take all that you have done upon himself as if he had committed that sin, that filthy sin that you've committed. He put it all on himself and took it to the cross. And on the cross, he offered his life as a sacrifice, the one payment of atonement for all sins of all people. And on the cross, he offered his life And then with his last breath, he says, it is finished. He took his last breath and he was put in a borrowed tomb. But three days later, he resurrected. What does that show us? It shows us that the sacrifice was good, that it was accepted. I like to say it this way. On the cross, Jesus wrote the check for your sin. On three days later, when he resurrected, the check cleared. Payment was good. All funds have been processed. You are paid in full. Now, this is the only reality, is that the only way you can enter into heaven and make God your Savior and not your judge is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. There is no workaround. There is no other way. Your performance will never be good enough. Your good works will never be good enough. You cannot merit. You cannot be religious enough. You can't get in on your grandma and grandpa's salvation. I'm telling you, it has to be a personal decision. And so today could be the day where you've said, you know, I've been running from this for a long time. And I do not want to stand before God as my judge because I know I'll be found guilty. But he's given me a lawyer to argue my case. And so if Jesus, I put my faith in Jesus, when God looks on my life, he doesn't see my faults and my failures. What Jesus does is he takes all of his righteousness and he puts it on you. And he takes all of your sin and puts it on him. And so when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees his son's righteousness. 
that has been placed on your account. There is no other option. And so I'm just going to make my plea to you out there at Fairview online and here in this room. If you've never fully trusted Christ as your Savior, what are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? If you really want to make it to heaven, if you really want to make it to heaven one day, how are you going to get there? And so tonight could be the night that everything changes for you. Everything. The Bible says you'll be transferred from death to life. Well, how do I do that? It's very simple. Very simple. Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It can't get more simpler than that. He says, hey, I'm available. All you got to do is call me. (laughs) All you got to do is ask. And I would love, I'll, st- I'll hang around just for a little while after the service, and I'm sure somebody out fair of you will be there to hang around too. But if, sir, there's, if there's someone in this room who says, you know what, tonight's the night I want to trust Jesus Christ. I, I, don't, I don't want to try to get to heaven on my own merit because I know I won't make it. I've offended a holy, righteous God. I have broken His laws. And I understand that He is a just judge who can only cast a verdict according to His law, which I have broken. Therefore, I'm standing today guilty already. There's no way I can get out of it. So, yeah, I want to trust Jesus because I understand that He's the only way out of this situation. I put myself in this mess. How in the world am I going to work myself out of this mess? So you need you need a savior. Jesus is the only one. So tonight I'm going to close this out in prayer. I gave you some challenges. If you're the one who's accusing, going around slandering, gossiping, and lying, exaggerating, doing all that bad stuff, speaking evil of other people, you're you're a trifecta sinner. You sin because you spoke in evil, you, sp- you sin because you didn't love them, and you sin because you, you, you usurp the authority of God. Right. So you need to first make your relationship with God right, yeah. and then you make, make your relationship with others right. Here's the other challenge. If you're somebody who's been accused, you're the person who's been slandered about, gossiped about, you've been mocked, you've been criticized, you've been all that, and you're carrying around that bitterness and that hatred, and you have that heaviness on your heart, here's the other challenge. Put it in God's hands. He has a final word. He has the final authority. Put it in his hands because God might be trying to do something in your life and you just got to trust him with it.